Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Uh, today, we're going to be speaking to Elizabeth Barnett. She is a partner and public policy expert for Avenue Solutions, and she represents Kidney Care Partners. And we're going to be learning about the CKD Improvement in Research and Treatment Act of 2021. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about um, S1971 and HR465, and maybe you can explain why there's two bill numbers, because I don't know if people always understand that. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here to, uh, to talk about this important bill. So yeah, there, there's, a, there's been a bill introduced in the Senate and uh, also a bill introduced in the House. Um, the Senate bill is S uh, 1971, and the House bill is HR 4065, as you indicated. And um, yeah, it was important to have uh, both uh, the House and the Senate, the House and the Senate, introduce um, this legislation um, because you know the the House will move the bill on a separate track than the Senate will, and presumably, you know, at one at some point. Um, the bill to become law, they'll have to reconcile differences um, uh, between the the House and the Senate. But it's always important when you're trying to advocate for for public policy to try to advance the legislation in in both um, chambers of Congress. Um, So so we're really uh, fortunate that um, not only is our our bill uh, bicameral, it's also bipartisan. so meaning that um, a Democrat and a Republican have introduced the bill together. So um, in the Senate, for example, we have um, Senator Cardin of Maryland, along with Senator Blunt of Missouri. Um, he's the Republican. They introduced the bill together. And then in the House, um, it's Congresswoman Sewell um, from Alabama and then um, Representative Buchanan, who is um, the Republican. And um, we're just grateful that they've all teamed up to, uh, to do this. Well, that's really exciting to hear that people are playing together today. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of rare in Washington. <laughs> um, well, tell us a little bit about um, the Medigap portion of the bill. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and the bill is, is really comprehensive, and, and it's, uh, just, to, just to quickly um, highlight it, it does have four different titles. Um, the, the Medigap provision is um, in, the, in the patient um choice of coverage title. And um, really what that tries to do is um, basically modernizes Medigap. Um, currently, the, um, the, the statute guarantees that uh, Medicare beneficiaries over age 65 have access to Medigap plans um, because, um, you know, these plans are very helpful in helping patients um, plan and also um, defray the cost of Medicare services. You know, they're, they're, people don't realize this necessarily before they enroll in Medicare, but there are um, some gaps in coverage. And, and Medigap definitely, um, you know, helps to, um, to, you know, I guess uh, fill those holes in coverage. And so what um, the bill does is that, you know, in current statute, it's only this, this uh, Medigap policy is only available to those who are 65 and older. Um, what the bill does is that it makes it guarantees that um, anybody who has ESRD 
that is under age 65 um, will have also uh, a guaranteed access to Medigap because currently the the younger the younger contingent um, that's only that's regulated by the states and there are 19 states that currently don't require insurers to offer Medigap to these beneficiaries and um, and even and even in the some of the states that do require it. Um, the coverage is limited to maybe just one Medigap policy or um, maybe they don't require coverage for ESRD patients and some only limit coverage to um, Plan A, which doesn't even help dialysis patients. So what the bill tries to do is just equalize across the board, um, allowing any, um, any, ES- any beneficiary who has ESRD um, to be um, allowed um, access to purchase Medigap in their state. Well, and it's so important because in the state of California, we don't have Medigap. And what happens is, you know, people qualify for Medicare and then they can't get a secondary insurance. And I've seen it over and over again. They spend down and go on the state program because that's the only way they can survive or uh, to pay for that 20%. So um, it's so important that we have this um, this provision. Uh, so why don't you pick the, another provision and share about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so another, uh, I think, really important patient provision is we, and this is new to the bill this year, um, it's really trying to get at um, preventative services and, and, and prevention in general. Um, and this would, this provision would expand um, the Medicare annual wellness benefit to include kidney disease screening. And, you know, this, this tries to address the fact that often patients don't even realize that they have a kidney disease until their kidneys fail and they are admitted to the ER and then they find out that, that they have ESRD. So what this would do, it would add um, CKD screening to the annual wellness benefit so that a Medicare beneficiary, once they're in the program, they can be screened for um, kidney disease right away. And so hopefully this would, um, you know, not only make them aware of it, but it would, it would enable them to get treatment earlier in the process. Well, and this would be only available to people over 65, right? Because they would have to already have Medicare. That's Um, right. What I find so perplexing is when you think you're going to the doctor, you think they're screening you for everything. Um, I think that's maybe a misconception um, because you think, oh, I went to the doctor and I just heard a story the other day of a patient calling me and saying that she's in stage four and she was never told she had kidney disease and her her doctor said, well, we didn't want to overwhelm you. Oh, my gosh. Um, And that was a direct quote. Wow. Um, when she was so upset that she didn't have the knowledge because she had some other health issues going on, but they thought that would just throw her under the bus. Um, and and so I, I think that people, uh, I'm always a big proponent. People need to be an expert on reading their own labs. You can do this yourself. <laughs> you can become yeah. an expert and question doctors on what things mean. Well, and one of the other things that I think is um, really in, important is that, you know, Medicare beneficiaries need to know more about uh, there's an education benefit that's really good yeah. to let people know before they're on dialysis to be able to have access to education when they're in stage five. And, and I think that's a really important measure. Yes. 
Yes, uh, there is a provision in the bill that would build upon um, the Medicare kidney disease education benefit, which is a current benefit, but unfortunately, it's really underutilized. And so, the section of the bill on this program would try to expand the benefit um, in in a lot of different ways. Um, It would allow dialysis facilities to provide these services, these kidney disease education services, um, and it would also expand the ability of other health professionals just besides physicians to um, actually, um, you know, serve as a referral source for the benefit. So, expanding it to PAs and nurse practitioners and clinical nurse specialists. Um, and this is really important, too, in, in rural areas. Um, uh, and I think, as, as you said, um, also providing these services to um, beneficiaries that have stage 5 CKD who are not yet on dialysis. And this, um, this education really, as you said, is, tries to make the, the patient more aware of all their choices and um, they can become better advocates for themselves and, and choose the treatment that's right for them and their situation. Well, and there is a shortage of nephrologists. Um, there yeah. seems to be a short. There's a shortage. Just for the record, there's a shortage of veterinarians too. Um, calling <laughs> all people to become veterinarians and nephrologists. I have four dogs, and it's hard to make an appointment. So um, it's the same thing with nephrologists. So they need to expand the benefit to have more people able to give a class. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, and it just makes me so angry. I have to tell you, there's one thing that makes me really angry, and when patients can't know what they're getting into when they have to sign on the dotted line. And what I mean by that is, you know, people are now uh, that have kidney failure allowed to join in managed care. So you're on the little website and you're, um, you know, you're on dialysis and you have the option because there's a benefit of managed care. It You don't have the 20 percent. It's basically privatizing Medicare, but we'll get into that. That's another story. Uh, But when you sign on to pick a company to for managed care, they don't identify what dialysis facilities are around. So you could be in dialysis facility A and love the staff and love the doctor and then sign up for managed care. And you might have to go down the street or, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah. how can you make a decision? This is just insane. Yeah. Yeah, so so the bill does address this as well. Um, we were really grateful that last year they agreed to put this provision in, which is a which is new because um, you know the the Congress didn't um, allow access traditionally to uh, ESRD beneficiaries into Medicare Advantage until a few Congresses ago when they when they passed it into into law, and, and that law just came into effect. Um, effective 2021. So beneficiaries today are, are now allowed to enroll in Medicare Advantage, which was a huge win for the kidney community. It's something that we had wanted. And, and, and this is really just to, again, to allow patients to choose and have and have a, a more variety of choices of coverage. And so, you know, in addition to advocating for Medigap, we also advocated for Medicare Advantage. And so we're, we're glad that, that the benefit is now available. However, as you said, uh, when HHS was developing the regulations around um, Medicare Advantage, they removed dialysis facilities from the network adequacy requirements. And, and those, those standards are really important for patients because, as you mentioned, um, we want to make sure that patients actually have access 
to a facility that's close to them that they don't have to drive for miles and miles, you know, in bad weather or whatever, you know, three times a week. And, um, and so we, we, along with, um, you know, other patient organizations and, and also MedPAC, by the way, which um, MedPAC is an acronym in, right. in D.C., but um, it really is good because it's, it's an advisory committee that advises Congress on Medicare policy, and um, they even agreed that this was, a, this was outrageous. It's and outrageous. So, and, yeah. and, and I had more I had more renal care professionals at my wedding than my own family from my dialysis unit. So um, <laughs> we need the continuity of care, which is so important. Um, I want to just uh, switch over real quickly because we got to wrap up about innovation. Can you talk a little bit about the bill and how it addresses innovation in the dialysis space? Yeah, sure. So um, Title II of the bill is completely dedicated to trying to create a more um, economically stable dialysis infrastructure and also to incentivize innovation. As I'm sure everyone knows, the, the payment system for ESRD is, is really woefully underfunded, and um, we've continuously raised concerns about how, you know, the adjusters in the payment system are, are not appropriately targeted to really address the higher cost patients, and we're trying to restore, you know, accuracy of, of, of different payments to try to refine adjusters and um, et cetera. So, in addition to that, the current payment system also has no real sustainable pathway to incentivize improvements in kidney care for patients. And so, what we tried to do in the bill is to establish a pathway to innovation. And so, what it would do, it would require HHS to adjust the payment rate whenever the current rate wouldn't cover the cost of adding a new drug or a new biologic or a new device or other technology that was, um, you know, innovative and, and approved for, um, for dialysis care. Um, and they would be required to put that um, into the bundle, which is the a fancy word for <laughs> the payment that, you know, that's paid to, uh, to, the, to the dialysis facility. Um, but this would be paid even after um, this transitional payment period ends. So currently there's a transitional payment period that does provide a little bit of boost in funding for innovation, but that has, that's time limited. So what our bill, what, what this bill would do is would, it would continue that and, and then allow the secretary to um, make adjustments to the overall bundle to, to, qual- to um, you know, a, account for those innovative products. And we really feel that this is such an important provision of the bill because, you know, there's, there's, all, there's all this innovation coming on, on the market, it's but so there's, because there's no ability to pay for it, it, it you know, sometimes um, it's harder to, for companies to invest in it's those. It's impossible. It's, you know, I am so grateful for the Medicare program because I'm a product of it. But it has some flaws in how I've seen technology be developed over the course of my lifetime, and I can't help it, but I'm going to say the crit line, which is one of the best inventions ever made and uh, for people on dialysis. And there was no pathway for reimbursement. So it has very limited use. And I find that very frustrating. And so, you know, everybody listening, we need to really get this into law. 
because if we want to see improvements in medication or medical devices, uh, uh, and Medicare has to pay a bundled payment system. It's a system that helps them control costs and know what they're going to spend. So it's not a fee for service. But we need to we need to make this happen. Um, if we're going to find any uh, progress of the dialysis space in the future, yeah. And uh, I want I wanted to say that um, there's a lot of different provisions um, about quality, and um, I wrote a big uh, blog piece on it that's on our website. You can go you can go check out rsnhope.org/advocacy, and you can read about the bill. And there's a little button there that you can talk to your congressman, or better yet, call him up and tell them to support or your senator call them and tell them to support the bill uh and it it really takes a lot of people to move a bill so we need everybody's help that's right and 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 your voices really do matter you know when you call your your congressperson and um or you email them and you think oh well that was a waste of time it actually isn't because they really listen to their constituents and you know if they're any good they do anyway well, but and, and they um they they do ha- they do take into account who they hear from back in their districts and their states um and um yeah so your voice is really important so don't um well, you know, don't think it's a waste of time. Well, and, you know, I think the public needs to take a little bit more responsibility because the Congre- our congressman is our advocate. It's like they're your yeah. doctor. And exactly. and you got to treat them. Don't be afraid of them. We pay them. Um, right. And, and <laughs> exactly. I mean, and so there's this some kind of stigma like, oh, no, no, they work for you. Bug them as much as you want. That's what more Americans need to do is to be on the phone and talk to their elected officials what matters to them so well thank you so much elizabeth for sharing about um the chronic kidney disease improvement and research and trans treatment act of 2021 and uh we look forward to getting this bill passed it was my pleasure thanks so much thanks for listening to kidney talk a program of renal support network please make sure to find us on facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.